interested in wine but don't have heaps of cash or a rich uncle with a bunker full of the most flavorful vintages who can hook you up, you've come to the right podcast. On Vino Vultures, we'll explore wine culture, discuss frugal ways to experience the best wines your tight budget can handle, and concoct plans to raid Area 51's collection of rare alien brews. Today's episode is titled Applied Wine Analysis, and it's intended for anyone who has an interest in learning more about wine. Here is Applied Wine Analysis. If you've listened to the last three episodes of the podcast, you'll be entering this episode with a fantastic knowledge base for what we're about to talk about. If you haven't, don't worry. You'll still be able to gain insight on wine and grow your overall understanding of what you should be doing when you sit down for a tasting. That being said, I strongly recommend that if you have the time and interest, you give the last three a listen before moving on to this one. Alright, I've said my piece. Now let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, so we can have the wine. Let's talk about ways to apply what we've learned so far. We'll talk about colors, grape varieties, climate, and overall quality, and how we can use that knowledge to try to narrow down our choices in the wine aisle to the ones we know have a greater chance at hitting a home run. First, let's talk about determining a wine's age. To do that, we must first look at the color Outside of a fancy or fun logo on a bottle, it's most likely what pulled you toward the act of picking it up off the shelf to examine it. But it's more than that. Without even putting our hand on it, we can pick up visual cues about what we're about to taste, and those cues are what we should use first to analyze the age of the wine. We now know that color changes as the wine oxidizes, and that oxidation typically occurs in most wines at a steady rate due to bottle aging. We also know that this oxidation happens much quicker in a barrel, and that wines, uh, whites and reds, change colors differently as they age. We should be looking to narrow down the age of the wine into one of three categories. One to three years, three to five years, or five plus. With whites, they will be clear or almost straw-colored when they're one to three years, turn yellow when they're three to five, and golden when they're over five. With reds, they'll almost look purple when they're one to three, turn about a reddish hue when they're three to five, and finally, a beautiful golden red when they're over five. Both reds and whites will turn brown when they're essentially dead. That being said, if you're picking up a bottle at the store and therefore not doing a blind tasting, I'd like to make sure that the year matches the color if you can actually tell. With reds, the bottles are typically dark and can throw off your ability to analyze the color, but with whites, the bottle should be clear, and you can use that. If, on the other hand, it's a blind tasting at home or otherwise, you'll want to take note of the color of the wine in your class, and use that to make an educated guess on the age. 
But hold on. Before we put money on that, we also need to see whether the smell confirms your suspicions. Take your glass and breathe in. What's the very first and most dominating aroma that you can pick up? Is it a fruit? Maybe it's the smell of fresh cut garden hose. Write down the first one that you pick up and then hear what I'm about to say. Each wine that you drink should have one scent that sticks out. If it's a fruit or floral, most typically you'll find that the wine is young. Mm, let's think about less than three years. If on the other hand it's more of an earthy or mineral, it's likely between two to four. After that, the wine should take on its own biological or chemical aroma. Now, which scent did you pick up from yours? Does it confirm the age you believe true when you took in the visual cues? If not, put your nose back over that glass. See if you can smell any kind of caramelization. If you do, that might be your hint that the wine was aged in oak. That would mean that the wine is actually much younger than it would otherwise lead you to believe on visual analysis. Now, let's talk about how we can determine the climate of your wine. For this, you'll want to keep your focus on three areas. Acidity, alcohol content, and body. Let's start with acidity. What do we know about it? We know that typically wines with higher acidity come from colder climates. We also know that acid is tart and it should be easy to pick out. However, you also need to be mindful when determining the level of acidity because it can be affected by other additives or by not completely fermenting the product. To rule this out, be on the lookout for a sweetness that doesn't belong, and remember that it only takes a very small amount to completely change the registered level of acidity. Just concentrate on mouthfeel. Does your mouth water, even though it tastes sweet? That should be your indicator. Moving on to alcohol content. Do not overcomplicate this. Higher alcohol content comes from grapes that have been subject to higher temperatures. Quite simply, hotter places equal higher alcohol. And what about the body? Well, it's not much different than alcohol content. Hotter climates translate to higher levels of body. It's because of the heightened levels of dissolved solids. In this case, sugar. Hotter climates translate to higher sugars, and we know that sugar within wine is a dissolved solid. Again, not complicated. But, do you know what can get a little complicated? Determining the grape varietal or varietals within your wine. Much like trying to figure out space travel for the very first time, this one can be one hell of a task. Each wine brings its own unique blend and standard, and whether it's a white or a red, each can present their own set of challenges since there are at least over 3,500 different varietals in the world. When analyzing a white wine, 
you should pay attention to four different criteria. Residual sugar, aging regime, climate, and key characteristics that stand out. Most whites are made dry, but not all of them. Only certain ones are sweet. That will help you immediately narrow down your selection. Furthermore, oak is used to age an even smaller handful. After that, try to narrow down whether or not the specific grape or grapes you're suspecting can even grow in that climate that they would need in order to give off the profile that it does. Finally, try to determine whether the wine you're tasting has any distinctive aroma or flavor that you know from past tastings. Reds are a totally different beast. You'll first want to analyze the level of pigmentation to determine the thickness of the grape skin. This will rule out some thinner-skinned red varieties. Second, you'll want to gauge the tannins. How strong are they? This will either support or rule out your previous assessment on the grape's thickness. Thinner-skinned grapes have less tannins than those with thicker ones. Next, think about how that translates to the potential climate that would be needed for the grapes you suspect to be grown. Finally, just like the whites, pay attention to distinctive aromas that are a dead giveaway for certain types of reds and from those you've tasted in the past. Essentially, with both reds and whites, you're using a process of elimination to determine grape varieties that might be present in your glass. One by one, proceed down your tasting sheet and eliminate potential suspects until you're left with only a handful. Then, use your own flavor profile to make a roadmap back to identifying that specific wine in the future. Now let's talk about determining the quality of the wine. How do you know that a wine is a lesser or higher quality? If you remember from our last lesson, the quality of a wine isn't determined by whether or not you like it, but rather by the intensity of aroma, complexity of flavor, and the length of the finish. This assessment has to remain objective and should not be influenced by your personal tastes. A high quality wine that has an intensity of flavor and aroma that should knock you off your feet. The more intense it is, the better the quality. This is proof that the grapes have been put through the perfect amount of stress and that they've been handled properly through the growing process. Additionally, the complexity should be evident through a multitude of flavors with different strengths and they should be followed by a long and drawn out finish. And when I say drawn out, I mean drawn out. We're talking about flavors on the finish that last up to minutes, not seconds. In summary, by now, you should be able to, uh, to utilize what you've learned over these last few episodes to analyze a wine's flavor, smell, and complexity through a series of criteria to better your understanding and appreciation of wine. 
Through these senses and future tastings, you'll be able to grow as a wine expert and at the same time find even more enjoyment in the activity. And if not, at least now you know a little more about what you're drinking the next time you have a friendly get-together or grab a bottle for lunch or dinner. That being said, this is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey, and I hope you'll continue to tune in for future episodes. If you're enjoying what I have to share, feel free to like or subscribe for more, and I'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.